Hello and welcome to this podcast series from Prompt Business Strategies, the turnaround and growth specialists. We will be taking a close look at the world of turnaround and exploring how to grow your business. We'll be talking to the people who've experienced it, from financial directors to lawyers and business owners, in order to give you insight and practical help. So if you are faced with dealing with a similar situation, hopefully it won't seem so daunting. We'll be joined by a range of experts to discuss the hot issues. We hope you enjoy this podcast. In this podcast, we'll be looking at the different restructuring options that are available. Prompt Business Strategies has to explore all the options when it helps a business, as it needs to find the solution that is most suitable for the situation the client is facing and satisfies the needs of the stakeholders. This takes lateral thinking as well as experience and a detailed understanding of the law. Prompt expert Robin Staunton covers the issues for us. So hi, Robin. How are you? Uh, Yeah, no, fine. Thanks very much. Yep. How's Bristol? I miss Bristol. I used to love it down there. Oh, I think Bristol looks after itself. I think uh, it's done very well, generally speaking. So what's your background then? I specialised in reorganisations and solvent turnaround. I've sort of been unwinding myself as a lawyer for a while, and uh, I've probably been with Prompt now nearly six years. How has your role changed? I mean, that's that's the beauty of, if you like, having a more commercial role because you can use your technical knowledge and experience to deliver commercial solutions in a, in a greater way. I think one of the problems is that big law firms are regarded as a pretty expensive resource. And increasingly, we would, uh, yeah, there you go, there you go. Increasingly, increasingly, we would be just asked to document a particular legal instruction. Less and less did clients come to us and say, "What are the options here?" Or, "I'm thinking of doing this," and actually trying to lean on our experience. Whereas, if you look at Prompt, well, we rebadged ourselves a couple of years ago. And we rebadged ourselves as prompt business strategies. And I guess that the part of the answer is in that name, because while we are best known for our financial strategy and hands-on management, sometimes the problem is structural. And so my role with prompt has been to try and come up with that optimum way forward and help implement it. Right. So it's it's quite a, a nice, all-inclusive job really because you're looking at the whole business rather than just those legal aspects it's the commercial yeah yeah. but but also it helps that a prompt we've got a lower cost base so it's much more cost effective to look into the options in the round so to speak and actually talk to the businesses about what they're trying to do be part of the team part of the solution yeah and be seen slightly differently by the businesses so i mean when you come across a business and you're brought in i mean you're looking at the situation that business is in how do you approach that what why does that make a difference i mean is there do you treat everybody the same you can't quite is the short answer what you 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 try and tailor what you're doing for the business and but the situation is key and and the reason for that is if it's still solvent you can do a lot lot more Right. Uh, but if it's in already financial distress, then your options start narrowing quite quickly. Right. And what you can do is less. 
Take a typical construction company. I think everybody pretty much knows how construction companies tend to work. As it grows, it's going to buy more and more of its own plant. And they know that construction is a cyclical business and it's much affected by recessions. So it makes sense to transfer that plant into a separate company. Try and ring fence it, maybe. And if you're on the brink of insolvency, you can't do that. It's too late. Right because you'd be disadvantaging creditors. But let's say you take advice when you're still growing as to, okay, you know, I'm getting into more and more things. How should I best sort of set myself up? We at Prompt would say it's not just the exercise of transferring the plant across to a new company, because that's easy enough. But what you, you probably ought to do is to sort out the financing as well at the same time, because Financing for a plant fleet is entirely different from financing for a contracting business. Right. And so if you, if you just look at invoice discounting, for example, a plant hire business sends out an invoice every month and expects it to be paid within a month. But you might still invoice discount that so that you get paid immediately, just improves your cash flow. But if you're doing invoice discounting in a contracting business, then typically a contracting business doesn't issue an invoice. It makes an application to be paid for the work it's done in the last month. And then the client gets to argue about whether or not they've done it satisfactorily. They've done as much as they said they did. You get all these sort of disputes, which means that nobody gets paid very quickly. For that reason, you would finance plant using asset financing in a different way from how you'd finance a contracting business. So sort that out at the same time. And then the sort of common mistake you get here is quite a lot of construction businesses might leave some of the financing the old company in the contracting business. Right. Um, so you've you've gone and bought yourself a you know eighty thousand pound excavator um and you put the financing through the contracting business and then you move the excavator to the new plant business but you leave the financing in the contracting company i mean sort of disaster because you're creating structural weaknesses that may come back and bite you at a later date right. but there's another simple thing you can do here most businesses will just raise an invoice to move the plant from the contracting business to the plant hire business. Right. And it's just done as a little book exercise by the bookkeeper. Uh, okay, it might be for, I don't know, half a million, million yeah. quid or, or more. <laughs> Not but, a small amount, yeah. But, but yeah, but it's it's just done as an accounting exercise. Yes. And no cash actually transfers. So let's say that million pound of plant ends up as a debt owing from the plant company back to the contracting business. And that just sits there for years. Nobody ever gets around to clearing it off. It just they just leave it there as structural debt. And so you've almost undone half of the the good you were trying to do. Then often happens, we've seen this actually, I think, in three different cases now. You get the plant business, then provides plant back to the contracting business. They put the excavators on site, uh, the power plants, the whatever it may be, and you have a management charge for internal rent charge for that equipment from the plant business to the contracting business. And then if the contracting business gets in difficulties, then that intercompany balance 
tends to start building up because the last thing you do is you pay yourself. You have to pay your external creditors, but you don't bother paying your plant company. Yeah. And so you get actually quite a big amount owing from the contracting business back to its plant provider. Yeah, got you. So then what happens, things go from bad to worse and your contracting company is insolvent. Yes, I see. It's just fallen over. And so the guys are thinking, well, that's okay because we've got the plant business in a separate company and actually in the nice possible way, we can close down the old business and start a new one with the benefit of our plant. Yes. We've got it rig-fenced, we think. Uh, so the IP, the insolvency practitioner of the contracting business, comes along and says, oh, you've got this intercompany debt for a million quid from several years ago that still hasn't been paid. I would like you to pay that, please. <laughs> and the bookkeeper's sitting there going, oh, no. <laughs> the plant company, because it's the same guys with different hats here, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, we want to set off all the money that the contracting in company owes us for having borrowed our kit for the last several years that it hasn't paid. And the IP says, well, that's all very well, but that's different pockets. That's not the same thing. One was for the sale of an asset. The other is for the rent of an asset. Now, nah, you can't set off. I want you to pay in full the original debt, and then you can you can claim as a creditor and you won't get very much, you can claim as an unsecured creditor for your intercompany charges. Disaster. The whole point of ring fencing that has just not worked. And the IP is deeply unpopular by this point. Oh, well, okay. All right. <laughs> he, he's going he's gonna to wring his hands in, you know, with usual agony and, and say, but look, I've got to do the right thing by creditors, etc." which he has, and that's fair enough. And yeah, <laughs> But this, this, this is just a little thing that they could so easily have done. Instead of, when they moved the plant across, just doing a bookkeeping invoice. Yeah. If they'd just gone to somebody and got a bit of advice for a little agreement, and in that agreement, you put a set-off clause. Right. Which says, you, the plant company, are entitled to set off anything you owe to the contracting company against anything it owes you. And then you get around this problem of different pockets. Yeah, but it's having the foresight, isn't it? Exactly. And that's what I'm exactly what I'm talking about. It's precisely what I'm talking about is, is please, when you're still growing, when things are exciting and you're, you're running a million miles an hour, please take a little bit of time just to look at your strategy, your business strategy, and share with someone like us what you're trying to do. And we've got, in a nice possible way, a lot more experience than you have. Yeah, because you've had to deal with the bad side of things. <laughs> you see where the potential pitfalls are. Yeah, we've, we've had to deal with, with all the rubbish that happens if things go wrong. And we know how, therefore, to set it up so that you've got the best chance of having what I call flexibility and resilience. Yeah. Well, it's like, I always remember the, the story about Pele, you know, the footballer. Yeah, yeah. He played in defence for a long time so that he could learn to be a better attacker. And that's, yeah. that's essentially yeah, yeah. what you're saying, isn't it? It's by yeah. having, oh. having dealt with the problems, <laughs> it means that you can help people plan up front really well, can't you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the poacher 
a gamekeeper analogy is yeah 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 yeah, absolutely absolutely i mean you're talking here about it's the sort of accounting balances isn't it but there's a whole load of other things that need sorting out as well aren't there when you go into a situation like this so what else do you approach just before we leave that sort of um the, the the intercompany bit when you're setting up a group of companies or you're growing your group of companies lots of people don't change the way they do the financial management and i guess we would also say that as soon as you've got an intercompany arrangement you need much better accounting discipline about that those cross charges the intercompany account and we would say come to us and, and and get some advice on how to set up the accounting the management accounting so that you've really got control of what's happening across your group absolutely and you don't start losing the big picture it amazes me how many people don't have management accounts and things i mean i, I can't live without <laughs> what i can tell you is that the the intercompany bit doesn't get done in many businesses week by week day by day even month by month it gets done at the end of the year when they decide how much they want to cross charge yeah and that's just that's a nightmare because in cash flow terms you haven't had visibility for a year and then you get a shock and then you get another <laughs> shock and look the, the same considerations don't just apply in the construction industry it applies to any sort of opco propco structure or any arrangement in which you're providing services or goods between different companies in your group one makes one bit and supplies another company that actually sells the end product anything like that you've just got to get that intercompany bit right yeah it sounds really difficult <laughs> actually it do. isn't no it it's, is. it's it's dead simple it's just doing the right thing yeah and knowing what that right thing is that's the point yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah, it's yeah. that and that's where you've got the knowledge that um business people are often just so focused on doing the job and getting the sales that they don't focus on the big picture do they and the, these details so so you, you've sorted out their accounting balances so where do you go next You've got to keep in mind this structural flexibility. I'll keep coming back to that. If you do a lot of cross-charging between different companies in a group and you don't sort that out, what you're actually doing is super gluing the companies together so that you can't wind down one or sell it off or just get out of a particular segment of your business because there's so many interdependencies being allowed to build up over a number of years. It's just, it's too complex, too time consuming, too expensive to sort it out. So as I said, the objective is to have strategic flexibility. And that means not to allow there to be too much intercompany dependence within the group. Just keep an eye on it. Just take the time to, to get to understand what it is you're doing and how they rely on each other these things they build up over a long time because when you're growing your business you're just reacting everybody does the same you're just reacting to the opportunities and threats on an ad hoc basis oh yeah you don't mean to muddy the waters or as i as, as i say super glue the companies together it just how it builds up yeah and so a good annual discipline is as part of whatever year-end review or whatever you do, just take a step back and ask yourself, 
why do we do this particular activity in this way? Yeah, just question everything continually. Take a breath, step back and just ask, why am I doing it like this? Yeah, it's such a good exercise, such great advice. We can all point to bits of our, our own businesses in which, you know, with a little bit of reflection, would say, oh, I'm not quite sure. Why, why do I do it like that? Yeah, this takes time. It's really awkward. doesn't work very well. Yeah. But I mean, this this thinking about things is such a great piece of advice. But what I see in a lot of the lots of businesses, um, particularly where I am in in the UK, is um, sort of owner manager businesses, and I come across them quite a lot. Where you've got somebody who's got whose baby it was, and they're they're sort of striding ahead, and they know where they want to go, and the managers uh, maybe have a whole different load of ideas about where they think they're going. Yep. Oh, yes. This kind of situation, I mean, I presume there's probably quite a lot of blame throwing that goes on, a lot of poor communication because everybody's stressed, people maybe not having communicated early enough to get a good message over about where everybody's going. So you end up with everybody just pulling apart and going in different directions. So do you see that a lot? Am I right in saying that? Um, and, And how do you deal with that? In, in, in a difficult situation like you face? If it's just you running a business and you're the owner and the chief executive and everybody else does your bidding, probably th- there shouldn't be too much misalignment. But at the point that you get into partnership with someone or even joint venture with another business or you've taken an investment in from a private equity house or you know another company or something like that you start to get different objectives creeping in as the business expands you get a more and more independently thinking management need to be employed and not everybody is going to see it the same way i mean none of us do in our personal lives do we we don't see it everything in, in, in the same way and so business is is bound to be even more the case that you, know, you 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 want to go in different directions yes i'm thinking back to it's a good few years now but two guys ran a wholesaling business phenomenally successful phenomenally well known you know won awards all over the place and everyone thought they were doing really well the truth was that both of them wanted to get out of wholesaling One of them wanted to get into manufacture and production of the goods because they thought that that was the the better end to be. And the other wanted to get out of wholesaling and get into the retailing of the goods because he wanted the the better margin. Well, that's completely different. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. They really wanted to go in different directions. Yeah, that's not even strategic differences. Those are three different businesses altogether. But but you you, you get this in business. People want to go in different directions. Mm. You know, construction businesses want to be in house building or commercial or social housing or, you know, whatever it is. They just want to do different things. And, And so tax is always the trap for the hasty here. And in that case... Uh, once we'd actually sorted out what the what the tax solution was, we were able to devise a share structure and build not only a financial business case and model, but also a debt security arrangement so that what effectively was the solution was a partial buyout over a number of years. Right. And we were able to take the private equity house with one of the businesses and out of the other. Uh, but the bank 
was happy to stay in and actually fund both. And we got them comfortable that they were secured across the two, but we managed to separate out the security so they could see that, you know, they weren't, if you like, leaning on both pillars of of what was the original business. But it just allowed us to take two groups of shareholders in different directions with different businesses and different funding. And it was a really successful division of the strategic objective. That's just talking about it at the at the owner level. You also get issues with management. So the bigger the business, the more you've got professional management involved. And how do you get them aligned behind the owner's strategy, particularly if the owner doesn't work in the business? Or you might have what is very common here is is where you've got a technology business and the founder is a is effectively the chief technology officer. Yes, and he's got a really clear vision about where his super IP is going to go, um, and where he's going to take the intellectual property and 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 inventiveness. And the managers are thinking, "Whoa, that's a bit scary for us. We're not sure we want to be on that roller coaster." Some businesses aren't so extreme as that, but. Prompter are involved in at least a couple of cases now where uh, we're devising and supporting long-term incentive plans for managers right. to actually bring them on board with the strategy and say, okay, wow, guys, that's quite if, different. Yeah. If you could if you can achieve this sort of however you measure success, but this sort of success, these are the rewards we can give you, and which is sort of like quasi shares in the business. And and that's been quite effective to get to get people on board, and and actually that applies in a in a stressy situation too. I mean, how do you keep management on board? When yeah, that's what I was just thinking because that's a big problem, isn't it? The everybody going, "Whoa, this is not comfortable around here. I'm I'm going to flit," and then the problem gets even worse because you've lost all your talent, haven't you? So it's quite a good way of keeping people on board. A lot of your work is actually turnaround, isn't it? As a yeah. it, you yeah. know, that, that's what you're looking at. So you've got clients at every end of the spectrum, you know, things are, with some it's actually really bad and with others it's it's not so bad. They can, they're sort of starting to spot there's a few issues and they want some help there. So there's a real range there for, to be dealt with. So, I mean, then what can you do with structuring to help in this? It's such a wide range of cases. I've tried to talk about the greater range of flexibility you've got where the business is still growing, where you know you're not in too much trouble, you might something might have gone wrong, but that's just a little bit of stress rather than you know insolvency is 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 impending. Where we can go with structuring in a distress situation is 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 more limited. And I guess my my analogy would be it's something like battlefield surgery. For most clients, it's not the whole business that's in a mess, and. Maybe through no one's fault here, um, a big contract has gone wrong. A key customer's been lost. A diversification didn't work out. Whatever the reason is, you just have to deal with the consequences. But the underlying business may be quite sound. So again, one of those construction companies we talked about, they they decided to do a big hotel project. We We have this rather nasty expression of drop the dross. Can you separate out can you ring fence can you put to one side the part of your business that just isn't working if you can do that then you can actually save the main business 
which is what the objective is here. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, the, the truism is the, the sooner you ask for help, the more likely we are to be able to come up with a solution. At the door of insolvency, it's not the time to be doing structuring work if you can help it. Well, I know from my own experience that, you know, growing a business, you get a couple of things that start to put you under a bit of pressure. And the second you feel that pressure and you're feeling a bit stressed about it, you go and get help. And, and there are people out there who will help you and support you. A, a prompt with you treat creditors as stakeholders when when things are not going well. Because they can bring you down if they move against you in an extreme way. People actually, they just want information. It's 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 about the quality of communication yes. and being kept in the dark. You know, that, that's how you grow mushrooms. It's not how you deal with people. Absolutely. We've, we've had some really good successes with informal debt workouts. We're actually saying to your major suppliers, look, the business is sound. They did something wrong or something went wrong on them, maybe through their no fault. But hang in there. This is how we think we can work it through. And you'll see your money back or most of your money back. And you'll do more good business in the future if you support it through the turnaround. Yes. And actually, if you give them information, if you show them the sort of quality of financial and reporting information that you can give them, and the, and the owners of the existing business will allow you to do that, then you'd be amazed how often people will come on board with the solution and say, yeah, I, I, I'll support you. If, you know, keep me informed. And, you know, OK, let's have a weekly call. Let's have a monthly call. Let's have a monthly set of management accounts that you see. People, you know, will support if they can. Well, it makes life easier for them, doesn't it? They don't want to have to go after the money. It it can make life a bit easier for everyone. If I I think the business is still one of relationships. And if you've supplied a business for a number of years, you'd actually quite like to go on supplying it. Yes. For us turnaround professionals, I think our real regret is that the UK doesn't have, and still doesn't have, despite various efforts, anything like the flexible procedure the Americans have got with their Chapter 11. But also, we don't have here the same sort of benign acceptance of insolvency. It's still regarded as a sort of difficult thing, whereas in the US, it's sort of accepted that most businesses fail. And uh, most, most businessmen in the US would say they've got at least one failure in their background. And see, it has a, a learning curve, uh- and have learned from it. Whereas I think it, in the UK, we still see a lot of embarrassment around it, don't we? Yeah. And, some, yeah. I, I, and I, I do think we're bad as a nation for blaming. Yeah, we do blame. We do blame. And, we, and it really does stop creativity and, and trying things because we're frightened of failing and what people will think. And it, a lot of it's about what people will think of us, isn't it? Well, look, our, our, our legislators have tried to come up with some solutions here. And, you know, we do have a statutory voluntary arrangement scheme. Yeah. And we also have a relatively new thing called a restructuring plan which was, you know, when it came out a few years ago, was really, you know, much vaunted and everyone got really quite excited that this was going to work. But unfortunately, they, when they put it in place, they, they wrapped it around with so many safeguards <laughs> that it's been made unaffordable in professional cost terms. 
doesn't sound like us at all, Robin. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not the EU, but we have our own uh, bureaucracy, I'm afraid. P- people will say, well, we've got, you know, debt moratorium arrangements. Well, yeah, we do, but they don't work. And, you know, in all my years, I think I've been involved with only about two or three of them. They, they've got their place. The reality is probably that a lot of businesses, if you get into trouble, then the only one you're going to be offered, the only option you're going to be offered is administration. Yeah. Which 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 is insolvency. That is an insolvency process. And I think a lot of clients think that that word is synonymous with the end. Yes. But don't give up at that point. We at Prompt think that uh, administration doesn't need to mean the end. And it doesn't mean the end of the business in the same ownership. In quite a few cases, especially if we can look at it early enough, the present owners can position themselves to buy the business out of the administration. Right. Or you can work with what we call a white knight buyer. So usually a friend of yours, usually someone that you've, you know, you talk to about your business. There might be not necessarily a direct competitor, but uh, somebody that you work with. Yes. And we've done arrangements where maybe they're the principal buyer, but you, the owners, the old owners, you'll get an equity share in the acquirer going forward. So again, it's 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 about having structural solutions that mean it's not, you know, the, the game's not over completely. Yeah. I think it's important to keep in mind that there are solutions, but do take advice. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing. It's the getting in there early enough, isn't it? So you, you leave yourself those solutions. Turnaround people, professionals used to be called company doctors. And that analogy was great. Because if you get ill and you don't go and see a doctor, what do you expect to happen? Yes. That's that's the reality of business. Yeah. No, it is that. So just to finish off then, what are, what would you say are the key takeaways for people listening in terms of strategy and structural issues? Number one, don't let the structure of your business develop in a messy, confused way. Do it right and don't just drift into it any old how. Two, if you do get into that messy position, then sort it out now. Sort it out as soon as you've identified this looks a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just assume it will cure itself or that it won't matter down the track because it will. Three, whatever you do in a structure, I think the twin objectives have always got to be strategic flexibility and resilience. So strategic flexibility so that you've got options. If something goes wrong or you want to do something differently, you've got choices. Yes. And resilience is that if something does go wrong on you, you know, you, you're a food producer and Tesco delist you, then, you know, you need to have some resilience here. Four, for me, is Get some advice on your group structure. If you're going to go into a group, don't just wander into it blind. (laughs) Talk to somebody about what are the things I should be thinking about that I ought to get right at the beginning. And don't just keep on setting up companies willy-nilly here and there um, just because it seems like a good idea. That's what I call the ad hoc stuff, and that's where it goes wrong. Yeah. Five, keep 
tight control of intra-group debt and accounting. Yes, she said at the start. Don't let that piece of the money, just because it feels like soft debt, get ignored. It is real. It will bite you in the bum if you don't keep control of it. It's just worth spending the time making sure that the intercompany balances the and accounting is fully understood by everybody and everybody understands what the interdependencies are and where the cash flow needs to go to keep all parts of the business alive because what you otherwise find is one part of the business is looking fine but the other one's run out of cash and that's just not somewhere to go six if you've got any shareholder or management issues grasp them those are nettles but if you do not pull them out they get bigger and more painful yeah so yeah grasp any nettle which is a shareholder dispute and that unfortunately that can be uh, between husband and wife that and on divorce that can be between brothers different generations of families we're doing quite a lot of big family companies at present where there are real factions in the business between different parts of the family grasp those issues and if you've got managers who are just not performing then do something about it they probably know yeah they usually do (laughs) yeah they're dreading the conversation but you're halfway there that if they do realize yeah and you need to make some changes because they otherwise they will bring your business down yeah absolutely and oh yeah the last one is that insolvency is not an end some game if you're willing to accept it'll happen but you don't want to give up in other words uh, just because somebody says i think you really need to take advice from an insolvency practitioner don't just throw your cards in yeah there's still lots you can do at that point to preserve some of the business some of your interest in it jobs for an awful lot of people or indeed to avoid the insolvency altogether it's all is not lost but again get help soon yeah fantastic advice robin that's been so interesting i've really enjoyed listening to you talk about this but thank you so much and i'm sure everybody else would have uh, would have had a, a really good time listening so where can anyone get hold of you if they want to um talk to you about any of these points further so go prompt website yeah prompt website promptstrategies.co.uk and there's a lot of information on there there are the other podcasts uh there's a lot about some of the uh sort of things that we do there are case studies on there uh details of the team it's quite an informative website i think if you are either considering how to grow well or you're concerned about what's happened to your business because things like everything is in the garden is rosy that's brilliant thanks ever so much robin you take care we'll talk to you soon thanks very much thank you so much for joining us this podcast was brought to you by prompt business strategies the turnaround and growth specialists if you want to get in touch with david stone or any of our speakers please visit our website promptstrategies.co.uk and use the contact details you'll find there All the views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and are general, so they do not constitute professional advice. If you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation, then please do talk to us directly.